Hare Krishna, everyone. This is Kalakanta Das. And tonight we have a great interview with His Holiness Krishna Kshetra Swami. Hare Krishna, Krishna Kshetra Swami. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. My pleasure to be with you. Krishna Kshetra Swami was initiated by Srila Prabhupada. And he actually has traveled extensively. He's initiating Guru in ISKCON. And for the last, I'll say, two years, is that right? You've been acting as a Minister for Cow Protection and Agriculture for Europe. Already two years now, is it? <laughs> it's coming to two years. Time uh -huh. passes very quickly. <laughs> yeah. And also, you have written a beautiful book, which at the end we might talk about, which is called Cow Care and Hindu Animal Ethics. And it's a nice book, which we can then talk about a little more. Okay, so today we are talking about, the topic of today is about why cow protection and agriculture are important for Srila Prabhupada. And I might start asking you, uh, you did meet Srila Prabhupada in the early 70s, am I correct? Yes, I first met Srila Prabhupada in Paris in summer of 1972. Um, I had first met the devotees, or I was staying with the devotees in Germany. And uh, then we all went to Paris to meet Prabhupada there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And yeah, um, somehow or other, Srila Prabhupada was very kind. He gave me initiation at that time. And the rest is history. <laughs> I went back to Germany and uh, for several years, we can say I was based in Germany. Prabhupada gave me that instruction that I should help in Germany, so I did, tried to. Um, and then gradually more and more traveling and so many other things. And uh, somehow I became interested in well, I lived uh, for some time at Singachalam Farm in southeastern Germany, and we had cows, maybe 20 cows um, at the time we had the most cows. It's a small farm. Um, and, of course, I was aware uh, that Prabhupada was very much stressing cow protection and agriculture, uh, so it was quite a long time in the back of my mind that, okay, this is, this is somehow important. And how it's important and why, why it matters and why it's a good thing. These were questions going through my mind over the years. And then in more recent years, opportunity, to came, opportunity came to look more closely into the whole subject. <clears throat> when you mentioned the Prabhupada, uh, many disciples or people who were with him uh, describing the, their relationship or their impression. What was your first impression when you met him at that time? Do you still remember that? My first impression was, ah, here he is, my eternal father. <laughs> Wow, that's he who wonderful. I've been looking for. I had I had a sense for I had had a sense for a couple of years that I need to find um, a qualified guru. Although I didn't, the word guru was not known to me at that time, or at least wasn't familiar. But I had already a sense of what such a person should. Um, should be how such a person should be. And then when I met Srila Prabhupada, I immediately felt, yes, he's this, here he is. Here he okay. is. And here he is, and here I am ready to <laughs> take shelter. <laughs> That's really good. Um, you know, we, we think of Prabhupada in many ways, and, and he was so brave conquering the world in so many aspects, introducing uh, the cult of bhakti in, a, in the times of challenge. And then the question comes, why 
cow protection agriculture are important for Srila Prabhupada. Mm. Uh, we uh, introduced that he was one of the first, I think I heard that from yourself, to introduce cow protection in the West. Mm. Is that correct? Yeah, as far as we know, um, in any systematic way, in any case, and in, a, in an explicit way. So I haven't, I haven't come across any counter-narrative to that. Okay. So why was it so important for him, in your vision, cow protection and agriculture? Where was that inspiration coming from, and what was his ideas behind it? I think it's, first of all, interesting to consider that mm, if we look back to his, um, his spiritual master, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, and the previous Acharyas, and I may be corrected on this, but to my knowledge, they were not speaking on this subject so much. Nor, yes. nor am I aware that, for example, Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur's um, Gaudiya Mat uh, system around India, maybe some of them had a few cows, um, you know, just uh, kind of a little goshala for the kitchen, for the temple, maybe some of them have had, or maybe they have today, uh, but uh, to my knowledge, and there's not so much talk about cows. It could be because it was kind of understood, it was assumed. Of course, uh, we protect cows. And it could also be because it was understood that, for the most part, in India, in those days, cows were more or less protect it. Um, well, uh, although the issue historically becomes more and more intense about cow protection by the 1880s from the research I did. In any case, it's interesting that Prabhupada um, makes this really a very significant we may want to say plank of his platform. Uh, I've pulled up some quotes from him, and one of them I think is relevant here. This is from a letter to Rupanuga Prabhu, um, written 18th December 1974. Prabhupada wrote, Our farm projects are an extremely important part of our movement. We must become self-sufficient by growing our own grains and producing our own milk. Then there will be no question of poverty. So develop these farm communities as far as possible. So addressing the question why, we can say that Prabhupada saw it in economic terms that uh, we should, that communities of devotees should become um, what he called self-sufficient. And this meant uh, developing such projects where two things would be produced. One is grains and the other is milk, uh, which means there would be, there would be uh, cows and there would be bulls or oxen, without which, um, unless you use tractors, you don't get grains, and in any case, without which, you don't get milk. So some idea of self-sufficiency was there. And I believe this had to do, if we again look historically, with how things were going in India after um, Indian independence from the British. Um, 
Basically, the Indian government made an about face from everything that Mahatma Gandhi was uh, striving for in terms of principles of um, village-based economy. Uh, the the government turned in the other direction. We will expand. They decided we will expand major industry, and we will um, do all that we can to catch up with the West in terms of industrial um, development. Prabhupada saw this uh, was the way the winds were blowing, and. I think this is also uh, was an impetus for him even to go to the West. As we know, he made an initial attempt uh, to start his movement in India and uh, in Jhansi. And it didn't work out, so he turned West. <laughs> and I suspect that... In general, of course, he had this understanding, if I can make Westerners, if I can inspire Westerners to take up bhakti, Krishna bhakti, bring them back to India, then the Indians will pay attention. But I think part of the vision that he had, an integral part of his vision, was that we will show how it's possible to have communities uh, which are farm-based, um, farm-based village, etc., essentially following uh, a model which was known in India from ancient times, but which India seemed to be headlong running toward forgetting. And of course, he wanted to spread Krishna consciousness uh, all over the world, by the way, <laughs> um, and he wanted to show that it is um, not just a matter of mm, religion in the sense of I believe this and I believe that, but it's uh, a way of life, and it's a viable way of life in economic terms, um, which is not dependent on the... Mm, consumer culture that has um, sort of taken, taken away the entire global economy at present. So he wanted to um, show not something new, but something, something uh, in a sense timeless, and so, as soon as the first opportunity came in America, when he had been speaking about it would be good to get some land, to get a farm, the first opportunity came, it would eventually be called New Vrindavan in 1968, was it? I think so. Yes, yes, I think late 1968. Yeah, then uh, then Srila Prabhupada was very enthusiastic that... Uh, let's do it now. Let's make it happen. Let's realize it. So from what I hear, you, you're actually showing, and we can infer that there was, Prabhupada was an admirer of Gandhi in his youth. Actually, he wore those clothes. Yeah. And he didn't take his diploma as a protest to that system in a way. Right. So do you think he took inspiration from that system of Gandhi? I mean, is that something we could... We could infer as followers of Srila Prabhupada? Yeah, I think it's uh, not unreasonable to uh, take it that he had, of course, there were things that Prabhupada uh, very strongly rejected about Gandhi, especially his way of interpreting the Bhagavad Gita. Um, but I think that there was a f quite a bit of uh, Gandhi's approach, especially about these 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 things about um, economics, uh, village village based economics, based on uh, care for animals, not just cows but other animals, 
um, and so on. And with this, of course, uh, the dietary principle of uh, being vegetarian, all of these were a kind of package which certainly Prabhupada was inspired um, at least to some extent, how to measure, but to some extent he must have taken some inspiration for that from um, from Mahatma Gandhi, but of course also from his own family, from his own upbringing. He was learning these principles from his father, and then it was all being confirmed when he met Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur. But about cows in particular, uh, being concerned, we have to protect cows. I, it's a guess. It would take a lot more research to try to dig in to see, you know, any hard evidence of this. But it's a kind of hunch that, to me, that he would have probably would have taken something, something of this from Gandhi, because also Gandhi established altogether four. Uh, communities, two in South Africa and then two in India, that were aspiring to be in some degree uh, self-sufficient. He, they didn't have so many animals, to my knowledge, and very few cows, um, but the idea was there, and Gandhi was certainly mm, spending a lot of time on uh, one or two of his projects, his, uh, yeah, his self-sufficiency projects in Gujarat. Because when you, when you read the quote from Prabhupada, we immediately had taken to the analogy of the spinning wheel. Uh, Gandhi yeah. was questioning if that spinning wheel would save the world. I mean, how could that do... And he was saying precisely because it's small and replicable that it's a powerful tool, that every household doing it could yeah. actually uh, put a challenge to the world. Similarly, Prabhupada seemed to be saying to us that if we are able to capture that uh, abundance, really, that the farm life can give and this, the, the, let's say an intercourse with nature and its, its biological processes, which are discussed today, we could also get some of that and then have time to, to pursue our bhakti purposes. Would that be a reasonable parallel to establish? Yeah, I think so. It's an interesting parallel. And so many times Prabhupada would say that <laughs> um, you just have, uh, what was it, one acre of land, <laughs> the householder, and he has his cow, and... You don't even have to work all year. You work for a few few months, and the rest of the time uh, you, you can sit and chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> now, I want to also say, I think it, we have to also um, consider, and some may be upset by this comment, but Srila Prabhupada grew up in Kolkata, he did not grow up on a farm. And so um, what knowledge he has, I mean, we appreciate that he has deep knowledge of everything that he spoke about. And at the same time, we may not have to demand of him that he knew all the ins and outs. In fact, he would say himself, you are intelligent, you figure it out. He would give the principle, and, and we devotees should figure out how to do it in practice. But the point is, he would say, if we do things right, then we'll have more time uh, for practicing bhakti. Yeah. Yeah, that's an incredible point, because one of his major uh, presentations was the world is in a crisis of ecology. Mm -hmm. mainly because of the way they were using fossil fuels and artificial, an artificial lifestyle, which is very much a discussion today on mm -hmm. environmental forums. Yeah. And he seemed to have that vision way back. So to some degree, he seemed to be already anticipating the remedy 
in the early 60s or late 60s. Mm. Uh, was that so? Seems so, yeah. And he was thinking also how to expand the Krishna consciousness movement in the social dimension. And that's why, of course, we hear from him repeatedly, repeatedly about Varnashrama. Um, and he very much associated the, the, the concept of Varna, Varna and Ashrama with um, simple living, high thinking, farm, farm res residing on and working on farms, connecting with the earth. I would say this is, um, this is the essential point. Unlike so many more or less so-called spiritual movements, where it's all about having, so to say, the head in the clouds. Um, Srila Prabhupada had his feet, Prabhupada had his head far above the clouds, first of all. <laughs> and he had his feet on the ground in the sense that uh, he was always thinking very practically. And he was thinking of long-term um, the development of the culture of Krishna consciousness uh, worldwide long-term. What will be the economic base? Uh, what will be the source, source of wealth? And, you know, people forget that the source of wealth is in the soil. It's in the sun and the soil. Um, it's it's not in the plastic in the supermarket and so on. That's a great point. And I'd like to just go back a little bit on your point about Vanashram and cow protection, the land and the soil. Sometimes when we discuss Vanashram, it's reduced to agriculture and cow protection. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a simplistic way of looking at it. Uh, there's a way more... Why do you think it gets reduced to that? What is the reason why sometimes it starts that cow protection agriculture depends on, oh, sorry, Vahanashan depends on cow protection agriculture? That's the question. Mm. Um, it could be because um, Prabhupada often spoke of these two things together. Um, of course, he was not thinking only Vaishas and therefore f farms, but he was thinking of complete communities, Vaishas, Shudras, Kshatriyas, and Brahmanas, and he would emphasize the necessity. Sometimes, of course, he would say, our mission is to develop Brahminical culture, as he called it. Uh, this was this was another uh, way he would speak uh, that if we can establish Brahminical culture, then um, everything else will fall into place. Uh, the idea being that the Brahmins are the head of the society, and they will um, illuminate. They will show how everything else can go. And then he took another step in that regard, and this is something not at all yet developed, uh, is the idea of the Varnashram College. <laughs> uh, but, but yes, some, he, he would speak a lot about Varnashram in relation to farms and therefore cows, cow protection. But there's also the cows and Brahmins connection that uh, where there is protection of cows, only there can we speak of Brahminical culture and vice versa. And But then where do you have cows? Well, you have them on farms. Um, I guess there are other factors as well. The fact that, okay, we started farms. Uh, we had some, we have had some efforts to make farm communities. 
But there's a sense in which those who engage in the more so-called uh, Brahminical activity of um, missionizing, of going out and preaching and so on, they are not on the farms. They are not doing the farming. And so you kind of, um, you, you start to be habituated to think of associating, okay, Varnash, there's preaching, there's Bhagavata Dharma, uh, and that's maybe what the Brahmins do. And then there's Varnashrama, and who's doing that? Well, it's mainly the Vaishas on the farms. There's, yeah, a, there's, a, there's a book which is um, going to be coming out soon on Varna Dharma uh, that's um, been completed, basically, uh, it's completed now. I just spoke with her yesterday by uh, Shimati Urmila Devi and uh, Shimati Rukmini Devi, not Urmila, my god sister, and Rukmini, not my god sister, another. So they've combined, they've written a book, 400 and something pages, uh, called Career Dharma. And uh, she showed me the table of contents it's it's really very interesting and i think it's going to be very helpful for our society to get a clearer understanding of what um what it's all about especially varna dharma that's great to hear great to hear so much so many writings are coming up uh, you mentioned previously to our little discussion vanashram uh, on the re reformatting the wealth concept. Mm. Could it be that, uh, do you think Prabhupada, uh, was he trying to show a different format for wealth? And if so, what was that format? Well, uh, the basis of wealth, the ultimate source of wealth is is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, who is uh, Bhagavan, the possessor of all wealth, and he provides wealth, um, he provides well-being for all living beings, nityo nityanam chetanas chetananam eko bahunam yo viradati kaman. Uh, that's the basic principle uh, more especially, the Lord provides for his devotees. Ananyas chintayanto mang yejana paryapasadetesham nityabhyuktanam yoga kshema vaham yaham. And then, how does the Lord provide? What are the means by which he does this? And here the question comes, I think, in relation to the principle of work. What is actual work? Uh, and that we understand is, it, it helps to understand practices of work, first of all, by understanding that um, we cannot not work for even a moment. Nahi kaschit kshanamapi jatutishtatya karmakrit. There's no such thing as not working or acting. And then how to act, the question comes. That depends on our guna and karma, our qualities in nature. How do we determine that? That's a process by which we, we recognize that we have some qualities which are not like those of others. And if we can work based on those, uh, we, can, we can be happy. Uh, and... Uh, aside from that, how wealth is generated uh, is through goods and services. Um, it's, it's not by um, artificial means uh, of, you know, um, cryptocurrency and so on, which is <laughs> generating sort of so-called value out of nothing. Um, using a lot of electricity in the process. Uh, 
Um, but it's, it's, and as the saying goes, you cannot eat nuts and bolts, you cannot eat money. So essential value uh, in economic terms comes from the earth and it comes from, uh, we, we are, um, we are essentially still a farming culture. We are not a hunter-gatherer culture. <laughs> and so uh, 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 in a farming economy, there is need for stability. And that stability is established through uh, a social structure, which includes kshatriyas, who are protecting um, making it possible to pe peacefully farm. And it's made possible uh, with animals, especially ruminants uh, and especially cows, since cows produce, mm, um, they produce a, a special kind of wealth in the form of milk, uh, which can be used in so many different ways including preparing ghee, which then can be offered in sacrifice, which is uh, sort of the, the cosmic system for uh, cosmic maintenance that Krishna speaks about in the Gita. Um, everyone becomes satisfied, all the celestial beings, and of course, the Lord himself. Um, is satisfied by offerings made in sacrifice. The essential ingredient of with physical ingredient traditionally is clarified butter or ghee. So that's all together makes a kind of system, evam pravartitam chakram. Uh, chakram is a circle, and Krishna describes this circle or cycle nanuvartayati haya agayur indriya ramo mogam parta sajivati if one is not following this system Krishna says mogam uh, this uh, a person or a group uh, not following it are um, moga they are failures basically And that's interesting because in our thought process, we see Prabhupada talking to us about artificial living and men being or feeling separated from nature as if men can industrialize life, can create life from laboratories, can create productions from industrial farming. And it seems to us from the perspective of agriculture that the wealth is also connected to the li a living soil. And, and then from that living soil, abundance would come and all of the things which we will be looking for. So how, how would you say that we as a movement could take advantage of this uh, inspiration Prabhupada gave to now understand better that where does abundance come from in terms of a living soil, in terms of a a system, a, a planetary system. Um, specifically, how as a, as a movement can we realize this? Can we, uh, yeah, can we realize that? And can we take advantage of that? First principle is um, enthusiasm, <laughs> utsahan, nischayat, having conviction, and dairyat, uh, having patience. Uh, now, some of us may feel that, well, we've had enough patience. Uh, we've been, you know, sort of patiently waiting for things to happen over the last five decades, and not a whole lot is happening. Uh, and to this, I have a quote from Prabhupada here. He says, Mm, in 1976, he wrote to Krishna Maheshwari, he said, we have got more than 100 temples all over the world and attached 
to every temple, we are opening farms. Uh, it's interesting that he wrote this as what nowadays you would call an affirmation, where you take something that's not a reality, but you would like it to be a reality. And so you speak about it as if it's, it is a reality in the present tense. We have got, of course, by that time there were a hundred temples, probably, um, if not more. Um, and attached to every temple, we are opening farms. How many farms were we actually opening in 1976? I don't know. We'd have to... 14. He makes in another letter a presentation that we have 14 farms and they're doing very well. Achha. He actually says that. Okay. So that's also speaking positively and showing his patience that, okay, we, we're going, we're working toward it. Um, but here we are, you know, some decades later, and we may wonder, okay, um, where are we in this? What's our trajectory? And so I think it's nice to go back to Srila Rupa Goswami, uh, who says, Utsaha nischayat dharyat tatat karma pravartanat. That um, first thing is enthusiasm. And enthusiasm comes when there's a sense of, I would say, real possibility. Here's something that can really happen where we really will be able to point to it and say, here it is. We can show people and, and it will be a, a reality. Uh, and then Nischaya goes closely together with that, uh, the basis of conviction uh, that it's possible. Just considering how are people living, you know, it's not something new that we're trying to do. <laughs> People's, you know, we we really wonder how is it possible because we've become so entrenched in our uh, modern economic systems that it 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 really does become difficult to imagine. Uh, but we forget thereby that. How many, how many centuries, uh, how many millennia, perhaps, were people living? And someone may say, well, they were living, yes, but they were basically living hand to mouth. And they, were, they were really just um, barely getting by. And uh, so, many, so many disadvantages were also there, which we don't have to uh, suffer today. Yes, that's true. But looking now from where we are, with whatever advantages we may have that are of value, we can apply those and we can not try to realize a utopia because utopia means a place which doesn't exist and never will. But we can establish, uh, we, can, we can work in the direction toward, in a, mm, in a determined way, uh, toward a more direct dependence on the land. Uh, as you said, on living soil and ruminants, especially cows, who are enriching the soil with the cow dung. Uh, and by their um, by proper grazing methods, right? <clears throat> you have before spoken about connecting ecological dots, and it was cows, dharma, and sankirtan. Is that <laughs> a direction to think? Yes, uh, and it may be good to think of this. As, I like to sometimes make little mental diagrams. 
to think of this as as a circle instead of a line. Um, so we would have uh, within this circle we would have dharma and we would have sankirtan and we would have cows where each is complementing the other, uh, each is facilitating the other. So um, dharma, we understand, is the, it's the set of principles of maintaining, uh, of sustaining. It comes from the verbal root, which means uh, to sustain. And uh, it is all the practices and also rules, regulations, uh, which help us to sustain ourselves individually, collectively, and um, cosmically, uh, the whole planet. And I think what we want to show when we speak about Sankirtan and we often use the word outreach, is that we have something to offer uh, this world where everyone's getting worried now more and more about what are we doing with our planet um, and how many more generations <laughs> are going to be able to live on this planet and so on. Uh, it's it's so mainstream now, this concern. We have something to offer, um, but what we have to offer, essentially, of course, is to worship Lord Sri Krishna, who is Gopal, who is Govinda, um, and, and who himself um, has a day job, which is herding cows, <laughs> uh, which he does in a very wonderful way by playing on his flute. <laughs> we want to uh, we want to we want to contribute some good for the world. We want to say, look, uh, how about living like this? And but it, we can only do that if we're actually living like that. <laughs> to just talk about it is uh, well, very well meaning, but not very effective. Right. So um, when you speak about sankirtan, there's an idea of together, but there's another meaning of sankirtan which you bring out. Well, Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur says that uh, the prefix sum means together and it also means complete. Uh, it is complete glorification of the Lord. It is comprehensive glorification of the Lord. Uh, and we may want to say, to connect these dots, <laughs> that comprehensive glorification of the Lord is to serve Him, including... Uh, go seva, as it's popularly referred to in many circles in India today of uh, people enthusiastic for cow protection. Go seva, uh, service to cows, seeing these cows as Krishna's cows. And then it becomes... Uh, another way of making the glorification complete. Okay. That's beautiful. Because then now we've discussed about the living soil and the participation of the cows in the complete glorification of Krishna and living the lifestyle. And you have written a book, I think two years ago, which we have covered, which is called Cocaine Hindu Animal Ethics. Here's one of the copies we ordered together. It's here. <laughs> and would you like to say something about this initiative that you did? Uh, okay. Yes. I was invited to write a book um, on the subject of 
Hinduism and animal ethics. So this idea of animal ethics may be a bit strange, uh, but it's a term which has become more in use among some some scholars, especially uh, to cover the whole issue, the question of how how should uh, human beings relate with animals. And um, we have in Oxford one small institute called the Oxford Center for Animal Ethics, uh, where these subjects are discussed, conferences are held, uh, and books are published. So the director of that center invited me to write such a book. And um, as I thought about it, it seemed that um, a very particular concern would be on the subject of cows. Uh, if, if it is to be focused on so-called Hinduism, then uh, certainly a, a very central concern is cows. And the, uh, this idea was approved, and I went ahead with, uh, the, with the work. It's an academic book, technically speaking. It's published by an academic publisher, which means it, it uh, undergoes a peer review. That is actually two peer reviews. And so uh, it has to meet certain standards. But, and it's, it's aiming to address, a, I, would, I would call it a, an educated audience, uh, and is, my purpose is twofold. One is uh, for our internal uh, society within the, within the broader society of Vaishnavas, including ISKCON, but not exclusively ISKCON. Uh, and it's addressing also a wider, um, a wider landscape, we may say, of people who identify themselves as Hindu more generally. And uh, a third audience is uh, the sort of intellectual community who are uh, considering seriously the whole, the, the whole ethical issue uh, of relating with animals and, and seriously questioning our um, general practices around the world of, um, you know, animal slaughter, um, wholesale animal slaughter rather than animal protection. So in that, in that context, or these three contexts, I've written this book. And I also uh, was able, with uh, help from many very generous people, uh, Vaishnavas, uh, I was able to do a fundraising project that enabled this book to be published, what's called Open Access. Right, here's the link. We have the link here. If somebody okay. <laughs> wants, they have the link where to download the book from. And how many, how many downloads have you had so far on this book? Uh, the, last, the last I looked a few days ago, the metrics was at 45,000 copies. Um, so we don't know who those people are. Unfortunately, we don't get any further information. We just get the numbers. Uh, but somebody, and uh, I guess over time more will read. And my my idea is also that this book can prompt others to do more careful, more thorough research. Um, I was my contract from the publisher to write the book um, said we. I asked for three years. I wanted three years to do the the research and the writing. And they said, well, actually, we only give two-year contracts. <laughs> okay, two years then. So it was, uh, truth be told, a bit of a rush. Um, and 
so many things that I was looking into. I thought, oh, there's a lot more to be uh, understood about this particular aspect. Um, so my hope is that others will do that work because something that's really important, I did not in my book um, go into the economics of cow care and cow protection. I talk about it, um, but only in very minimal ways, and I don't use, I don't get into numbers. And that's something that someone will have to do, because if this is going to become, if this is going to be taken more seriously and people are going to say, oh, this makes sense, let's, let's do this, let's get some cows, let's start such a project, they're going to first need more precise information about how it can work. Uh, in especially in economic terms. But for an academic book, 45,000 downloads is pretty massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, it's quite good. <laughs> yeah. You do speak about many points which I think offer a baseline for us to start the work, the relationship between dharma as we explored here and also from dharma to yoga to bhakti and the origins of cow protection in India and in the West with Srila Prabhupada. Is there any specific points which you think are relevant for initial listener to know mm -hmm. about? Well, uh, some listeners might say, well, that's all very well, but you know, I don't have the time to go through such a book. Uh, then what I would suggest is go ahead and jump to the to chapter six. Uh, there are seven chapters altogether. The seventh is just sort of a, a wrap up and reflection. But the sixth chapter is specifically focusing on what might be involved in developing a future for cow protection. And uh and specifically, toward the end of that chapter, I have um, what I call six affirmations. I mentioned before affirmations. So these are um, sort of imagining what could be done, what could be possible uh, for a bright future for cow protection and cow care. So one could go ahead and sort of jump into that. Krishnakshetra uh, Swami, you are an advisor, advisor board member of the Ministry of Cow Protection and Agriculture and also a minister for Europe. So from that, from those positions, uh, what roles could the ministry play uh, in assisting our communities to expand cow protection and agriculture? I see it as mainly educational and facilitating with um, resources, with knowledge being. If we could be a resource hub uh, for all kinds of people to take up what we are, um, what we are about, what we want to see expanded, I think it would be very good. Um, and what I mean by that is a, a kind of mm, a sure way to fail uh, is to think that mm, the institution called ISKCON has to do all of the farming and all of the cow protection. Um, if, we, if we do like that, it's going to be top-down. And it's, um, it's not going to work. And I think we've seen that already with some projects. It has to come more from, dare I say, grassroots. Roots of grass in healthy soil. In other words, from people, from all kinds of people, uh, to say, yeah, I like this. You know, the Hare Krishnas, they... They have some good ideas. Uh, 
And some of them may say, well, I'm, I'm not, I don't know about all these things that they go for, you know, like Lord Vishnu breathing out and creating the universe. I don't know if I can, I mean, it's cool, but I don't know. But anyway, uh, aside from that, <laughs> they do have some really good points, some good ideas uh, about how to live uh, a good life and uh, develop in a purposeful way um, my spiritual side. So I, I want to go with this, but how to do it? Okay, here's some resources. Here's some courses. Here's some uh, research. Here's, some, here's an advisor. Here's a coach uh, that can help me out. That's wonderful, and, and that's the purpose of these interviews. I mean, the first interviewees are the board members themselves, and then we're going to expand to a whole range of leaders and managers in farms mm -hmm. who have a lot to say. And to this note, we have already uh, started our directory to know which farms do we have. And from the 14 we mentioned in 76, <laughs> we have now 100 and eight around 109 maybe we are finalizing projects uh, which of which i'd say something like 60 to 70 are actual farms uh -huh. so from 14 to 70 we already have some measurement so this app is basically ready so that's oh, something good. to inform you as a board member yes <laughs> that anybody will be able to access <laughs> and the second feature of this app is that there'll be the resources there. It's exactly what you mentioned, resource mm -hmm. hub. We're trying to do that. And the first initiative is, of course, the Goshala Manager's course, which is being launched very soon. And it's the, the, the content is, is ready, and we're getting some more interviews. So it yeah. seems that from the advisory board to the ministry working on the ground people, it seems to have some alignment in that notion. And that's good to hear. Well, and uh, I'm so happy that you're doing all that you're doing, Kalakanta, in this regard. Uh, you're having a good vision of uh, getting the groundwork and developing everything. So keep it up. <laughs> thank you so much. What is the name of the actually, app that you said is happening? It's for the moment, it's called Go Manage Cows. Uh -huh. And we are just finalizing the content to launch to the wider public and probably okay. we'll change the name <laughs> for the moment to go manage cows yeah. because the managers could easily access and upload content and materials yeah good but i i i think very very recently very soon maybe within three weeks we are planning to launch it to oh, the wider okay. public and you you can find any project with name address contacts uh, right there how about just go with cows? <laughs> go with cows, yes. <laughs> That'll be great. That'll be a nice idea. I'll write this <laughs> suggestion down. <laughs> go with cows, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, okay, so any concluding thoughts you'd like to convey to our listeners? Uh, we're coming to the end of this beautiful interview with... His Holiness Christian Kshetra Swami. Well, let me see. Maybe we can just end with uh, another quote from Srila Prabhupada. Um, this is a letter to Utal, and this is January 1977, so quite late. <clears throat> Getting and managing a farm is a good proposal. I am encouraging farm projects everywhere. That is a very important, solid program. So do this enthusiastically, and Krishna will be pleased. Well, that's really wonderful to hear. Our founder, Acharya, did have a very important mission for the farms. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of success around, as I, and that would be one of our series, why farms are successful. Mm -hmm. And... We'll be, we'll be hearing more from that. Mm -hmm. So for all of you who have listened today, our interview, a big thanks. Uh, thank you very much for being with us, staying until the end. And if you keep 
we'll keep you posted on the further uh, interviews. Christian Kshetraswami, it was a pleasure to have you here with us, as usual, and we hope to do more. I think that such a vast knowledge you could convey, we'll need more interviews to cover those. <laughs> Thank you. It was my pleasure. Hare Krishna, everyone. See you soon. <laughs>